won't stop firing. I think I'm being followed. My dad is turning green, like literally green. My last nav check put me on the range point four. This is control. Be radio. Keep calm and remain on the guard frequency. Sensitives, captains and commanders, you're tuned to the guard frequency. As all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 101 of the Best Damn Space Sim Podcast Ever and was recorded on Friday, January 1st and made available for download Tuesday, January 5th over at GuardFrequency.com. I'm Tony. I'm Lennon. And I'm Jeff. Gents, welcome back to the hangar after the Christmas break. Did Santa Claus and or Father Christmas bring you anything nice? Uh, time. Time to play the best damn space sims that I've ever played since uh, the early 90s. Good. So you, the Father Christmas gave you the gift of time. That's lovely. Uh, Lennon, hopefully Father Christmas brought you the gift of, uh, like, say, wisdom. No, actually, he bought me the gift of Steam Control Pad, which is amazing. I would trade that for wisdom. I sure it would. It is good. I find it kind of ironic, though, that Father Christmas brought an immortal the gift of time. Well, how do you think I stay immortal? <laughs> Oh. oh, okay. All right. He gives a fresh shipment every year. Okay. That makes total sense now. Uh, what about you, sir? Well, uh, I, being the most materialistic out of all of us here, I have to say that uh, I have a, a material thing that I'm most grateful for from Santa Claus that I got this year. And they are fantastic. Tiny little Starfleet slippers. Ooh, they sound pretty. That get cold. Oh, my God. My basement is cold. So you have a fashion sense then? Oh, well, Santa Claus does. He brought me these slippers. Actually, I probably would not be caught dead in them in public, but they are quite comfy and keep my tussies very warm uh, in the basement when I record this show. So I am very thankful for my new Starfleet slippers. Now, are those official Starfleet, you know, oh. you know mandated oh, yes. and, and, you know, oh. in, in the regs and all that? Oh, yes, yes, yes. They show my proper rank of captain. They have little rank pips on, on the on the part that goes above the ankle. They're, they're command red, obviously. And they have the little, uh, the little uh, Starfleet uh, Delta from the next generation on them. So, but aren't you an admiral? Don't let them promote you. Uh, don't <laughs> let them take you out of that chair, man. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, why would you ever want to be anything but captain? That's what I had an issue with uh, STO so yeah, long ago with yeah, the rank so. systems. You know, that's why we started a new podcast, right? You know, because everybody's an admiral. You know, that's right. Everybody's that, that, an admiral. No, no, forget <laughs> it. No, we're gonna, you know, for, for, we're taking our ball. We're going someplace else to make a new podcast. Speaking of which... Yes, speaking of which, why don't you tell the good people what we've got this week, Jeff? Well, in this week's Squawk Box, we check out the season's must-have fashion accessory for the F-15. And on the flight deck, we see what news from your favorite space sims has landed as we cover Star Citizen's end-of-year updates, the latest expansion to Elite Dangerous Horizons, and the latest patch notes and fixes for Descent Underground. And finally, we tune into the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. And that takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get on with the show and see what's coming through the school books. Any you boys need a carrier around here? Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. This is Tony saying welcome to the Squawk Box, everyone. So, we're all Space M fans here. Yes, we love finding and shooting things out of the sky like a Rocketeer Robin Hood, right? One of the things that's frequently taken for granted in the simming world is actually the tedious work of locating, flying towards, and targeting the bad guy. It's just not fun for most space simmers to get into the weeds of exactly how you find the bogey in the first place. Let's just hurry up and get to the part where we shoot him down. Well, 
we know that our audience is not most people and certainly not most space simmers. So we think you would think a little project called Talon Hate would pique your collective interest. Let's start with the name Talon Hate. That just sounds cool. Talon, you know, appropriate when talking about dangerous birds, and hate, which stands for, well, actually, the reporter covering the story couldn't find anybody who would tell him what it stands for. But that's not the point. It sounds good, and it's not called Nimrod. But maybe we can figure it out once I tell you what it does. Talon Hate is an 1,800-pound pod designed to be slung under the centerline hardpoint of the F-15C and D Eagles. Fans of the show and aircraft in general will know these jets as the only, not a pound for air to ground, pure interceptors in the U.S. Air Force. The pod's tip contains an IRST, or an infrared search and track system, which allows the pilot to scan the skies for other planes without emitting noisy electromagnetic radio pulses. This alone is cool, but not worth nearly one ton of extra weight cool, or 128.57 stone of extra weight in the non-metric system. So what makes this pod worth its freight is what sits behind the tracker. It's a sensor fusion system designed to talk to the low probability of intercept comm system built into the F-22. The rest of the U.S. fleet and much of NATO uses an encrypted but omnidirectional look over here at me, I'm broadcasting stuff system called Link-16. That would be suicide in the stealth jet deep in hostile territory. And of course, the NATO system and the F-22 system don't talk to each other until now. Listeners may recall a couple of shows back that Boeing was showcasing a couple of upgraded Eagle designs on the international market, including the F-15SA for Saudi Arabia, which packs 16 air-to-air missiles, curiously, without using the centerline station. Hmm. Now, the modern air combat theater begins to take shape. A few stealthy air-to-air slash air-to-ground planes up front, a few loud and obnoxious missile trucks in the middle, and a swarm of legacy F-18, F-16s, and A-10s in the rear, ready to strike out in any direction. And, uh, there's one other plane um, I'm leaving out. God, uh, one other plane that's not in here. You know what? I'm sure that whatever that plane is I'm forgetting, it's just not that big of a deal. What is that plane? What is that plane? The F-35? Oh, that's right. The F-35. I for- completely forgot about the F-35. Well... I was right. It's not that big of a deal. <laughs> not at that price. <laughs> so I thought that this was like, you know, th- this is cool for a space sim thing. That would be an awesome add-on for a fighter, right? So it just, yeah. you have like a command and control add-on that allows you to be air traffic control director for a whole squadron of different types of, of, uh, of other ships. Well, I'm not sure I like the name, though. Oh, come on. Well, my son's name is Talon, so... Oh, well... You got, you got. Maybe his, maybe that could be his call sign. His call sign could be hate. Huh. There you go. So, like what, like what? High altitude tracking and engagement. Huh? Yeah, yeah. That's what I was yeah. thinking. Good. So that's two votes for that. So clearly, that must be right. Do go, go ahead, Lennon. Try to think of something else. Um, I, I was desperately trying, and that's pretty much all I can come up with as well. So I was, I was thinking atmospheric, but but altitude works. So high yeah. atmospheric tracking and yeah, okay. it's got to be something along those lines. So, Boeing, if you're listening and you really hadn't come up with anything, you just wanted to call it Talon Hate, <laughs> hey, there you go. Now you can, you can pretend like it means something. Uh, this is a little, little gift from your friends here at Guard Frequency. Have you read, seen, or heard something you think might be interesting to others listening on the spectrum? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. But for now, let's see what news has hit the flight deck. Three, 
Citizen crowdfunding update for January 1st, 2016. 104,634,000, 1.14 million uh, registered accounts or pilots in the UEC, and 878,000 members of the UEE fleet. Speaking of Star Citizen, we're going to kick off the news segment this week with a roundup of all the latest news coming to us from that part of the verse. Not only did the folks over at CIG manage to work their asses off and get the 2.0 Alpha out to everyone, but they also managed to push 2.1 and opened up the PTU to all. In addition, they also had a holiday ship sale allowing them to burst through the 100 million barrier, which also then gave us a letter from the chairman. So if you were to jump into Star Citizen right now, what would you see? Well, 2.0 brought us open world missions with eight Comaray missions involving dogfighting and EVA alongside 20 plus random encounters scattered throughout the universe. First person shooter segments are now live with a space station specifically designed for and dedicated to FPS combat, including many more stores and caches of personal weapons and possibly the biggest part of them all, spaceflight in a large open universe with multi-crewed ships. Quantum travel and EMP warfare set across one planet, three moons, four stations, an asteroid belt, and nine comarays. 2.1 then further builds on the bringing us a new flyable ships with a saber and freelancer and generally tightening up the animations and fixing bugs across the board. 2.1 is currently only available on the PTU, but rumors are it should be being pushed to live very soon. Well, gentlemen, what do you think? Have you played much of Star Citizen's 2.1? 2.1, not so much. 2.0, I definitely have. 2.1, I had to check it out, though, because of the Freelancer. Uh, the updates <laughs> that they've made to there, the interior model, so much better looking now. And it just flies so well and feels so good. I think it's a little bit OP at the moment, and it's probably going to get nerfed a touch. But generally speaking, I yeah, the Freelancer is just... Oh. I'm still having issues with it. I, I still get my cockpit, you know, jitters a lot. Um, I don't think it's picking up all the uh, capabilities of my video card. Certain objects don't appear like upper left. There's a shield display with your ship status. Sometimes that appears. Sometimes it doesn't appear. You request a ship and, and it comes on the launching pad and the gear is up. So it's just really resting on its belly. I mean, there are some things that I would have thought that they had really, I don't know. I'm kind of disappointed in the 2.1 and all the bug fixes they say they've done, and yet it still seems to be a bit buggy. It's early, early alpha. I, I get that. And, I, and I'm the biggest proponent of saying, you know, let them do their work and, you know, all that stuff. But, you know, this last month, it seems like they've not only said that they stepped up to the plate that they you know pushing out this content and they're pushing it out to everybody but and that they're doing all these fixes and yet it still seems to me this really buggy test version well i i, I think that's fine I, uh, what made me most pleased aside from being able to you know get on my connie and take off uh, that was that was kind of cool but what what for me is just the rapid iteration and I don't care if they get to 2.1.4 or 2.2 or 2.3 or whatever. I want to see them continue to iterate and nail stuff down. And I think what they've done here is they've built a pretty big sandbox. And now they just need to not build any more sandboxes. Just concentrate on making this sandbox work really well. And that's what I hope that they do for the next 2 point whatevers. 2.99, 99, 99, 99 if you have to. But 
fill this sandbox up. Don't build any more sandboxes. I have to agree with you, Tony, on this. I, I, um, <laughs> That's all uh, I wanted for the new year, Jeff. That's really all I wanted. That's, that's okay. the only thing that I was hoping for. Uh, no, I totally agree. I think they need to uh, concentrate on the sandbox that they have because once they get this near perfect, then the rest of it should fall, the pieces should fall right into place. Yeah, but I do think Star Citizen, the last good sort of six weeks or so, they've had a hell of an end of a year. Not only, yeah. you know, pushing the 2.0, which is, it's, I mean, yes, it's buggy as heck, but it does show every little bit of promise that we've come to expect over the course of the build-up of Star Citizen up until this point of release. You know, it's, it's got the big open world, it's got the multi-crew in there. Like you said, it just needs further refinements on those systems. So that was one heck of a milestone anyway. Secondly, the 100 million mark on the crowdfunding still makes me a little bit disappointed because it's the only one of their goals they actually hit this year. You know, they said that uh, Star Marine was coming out and then this was coming out and then that was coming out and they also said 100 million by the end of the year and they just about squeezed it in. But, yeah. hey, you know, if all the money actually goes to making the game better, then yeah you can't really can't really fault them but uh and then to not only release 2.0 but to then have a 2.1 revision in my mind 2.1 probably should have been 2.0.1 i didn't think it was really worthy of a not a major release because it's a minor number but you get what i'm trying to say i don't think it revolutionized it enough to be 2.1 personally but other than that yeah i've had quite a lot of fun I'd encourage you I'd encourage you to think of it in Windows terms. See, no one remembers Windows 3.0. Windows 3.1 and Windows 3.1.1. Those two are the ones that like stood the test of time, right? Until Windows 95 came along, those were kind of the standard. So, you know, let's not get tripped up in the version numbers too much because after all this is the game that made us argue well, what does alpha mean what does beta mean <laughs> now right. if we start arguing about what the decimal points mean we really won't be able to get to the rest of the show but stop with the naming of new things and just fix the things we have do whatever you want to in the two point whatevers make it two point broccoli make it two point uh, rhododendron whatever but just keep it at two and keep the sandbox where you built it and fill in the sandbox and make it all pretty. I would agree with you mostly, <laughs> except um, one. what I think the problem that they've got at the moment is the precedent that they've set. Because if you look at the difference between 1.8 and 1.9, 1.9 and 2, 2 to 2.1 was very lackluster. Yeah. And I think that's what I mean, is that everybody looked at 2.1 with the expectation of a huge number of improvements and advances, and actually, effectively, it boils down to a lot of bugs have been fixed, and there are two new flyable ships. You know, it's it's a very minor amount of stuff for a, a major release. But, however, I do agree that they need to concentrate on iteration and filling the sandbox, like you said, and as long as they keep it at a two and they just keep iterating on that version until they're really good to go, then yeah, we're going to be in a, in a good place. The one thing that does give me hope with all of this as well is that the level of gameplay and fidelity that they've got, when you kind of shrink this down to the walled garden that will be Squadron 42, which is supposed to be releasing sometime this year, I think that they stand a really good chance of actually making that uh, for episode one of Squadron 42 come out this year and be a really awesome game with it. Well, I, I know that they have a lot of I like in my cut list, for example, you enter through the back door and you go th- you go up to the hatch and you go through the, the hold and you go to the door and there's three buttons. There's two on one side and one on the other. Well, two of those buttons force you into a seat. 
the third button is supposed to open the door, but there's no separation between the two. So you're trying to constantly open the door to get to the pilot's uh, thing, and you keep getting put into the yeah. jump seat. So they it's have, like they have some they have some work to do on the whole interaction side of things. You know, trying to get into your turrets and the Connie or you know, all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's it needs work. I mean, that, that sort of stuff needs work. Well, moving on to Elite Dangerous Horizons, also known as Season 2, was released on PC on the 15th of December 2015, so last year. No news on the Xbox One release date just yet. For those unfamiliar with Elite's expansion pack model, each paid season for Elite Dangerous is a full season of new content in the form of several major expansions, which each also contain literally hundreds of tweaks and new features, large and small. So far, there are two seasons released, the original base game and the new Horizons expansions. If you've not yet picked up Horizons, relax. Frontier has made Horizons, quote, backwards compatible, so all players of both seasons can play in the same galaxy together. Season 1 players will also continue to get regular updates even if they don't yet own Season 2. Uh, sorry, Xbox players, you shall not be playing in the same universe as the people on PC, but you are benefiting from the same background simulation. So, what did Horizons bring us? Well, right now we have access to planetary landings and ground vehicles. Players are now able to land on rocky planets with no atmosphere and explore them using various ground vehicles. Once on the surface, players will be able to discover constructed and natural points of interest. It could be military bases, research establishments, hideouts, starports, mining complexes, crash ships, uh, some debris from crash ships, all to investigate to your heart's content. The nature of the encounter will vary depending on where you are, the type of planet, and the local topography and geology. Now, as we've said right now, it's only planets sans atmosphere that can be explored, but Frontier has said that there are many more planet types coming in 2016. Other updates uh, as part of Season 2 will be crafting, unlocking a world of customization options to add new value and meaning to every action, multi-crew, allowing teams of players to assume roles aboard the same ship, Commander Creation, giving a unique appearance to players' in-game avatars. Ship-launched fighters, allowing larger spacecraft to carry their own short-range fighter ships for attack and defense. And finally, releasing simultaneously with Season 2's planetary landings, the number of playable ships in the game has been increased to a total of 30, 31 if you own Horizons, and has a 600-item change log of other additions, upgrades, balance tweaks, and fixes. I've been playing the... I don't ever know. Ever loving bejesus? Yes, ever loving. There you go. Ever the butt out of this thing. Um, <laughs> come you know, on. I, I gave you ever loving bejesus. You come back with playing the butt. Come on. You know, it, but I, honestly, there have been a lot of major improvements in this game. So mm -hmm. much so that when it first came out, you know, all of us were gangbusters. We all got into the game. And then I dropped it because it seems so terrible. Terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I, I gotta, I gotta say that the 64-bit, the bug fixes, the changes, horizons. I've spent a lot of time in the game now, just going to town on it, and uh, I'm really enjoying it. I, I wasn't terribly impressed with the price point it was selling for when it was in the backer stage, and when it first came out, I looked at some of the reviews and things and thought, oh man, this seems like a just a mess. Then. 1.2 came out. I think it was 1.2. And Elliot, our uh, mutual friend and executive producer, said that I really ought to give it a shot. So I did. And it was it was okay. It was good. So buggy. Couldn't group up for anything. But it was fun to fly. The, the flight model was fun. You know, it was, interesting. it was a steep learning curve, but it was fun to wrestle with. And then they fixed the winging system, where you could actually participate with your friends. The game took off at that point. And after the year of playing it that way, they came up with Horizons. 
going to 64-bit improved the quality of the gameplay as far as, uh, to me anyway, the, the motion and the, uh, the placement of things. It just made it feel more tactile, I think. But it's brought some bugginess to it. I don't know, Jeff, have you, have you experienced that crashing more often than it used to? Um, it freezes for me more often than it used to. And I think yeah. it's because the, the 64-bit code is not optimized for it yet. They had to yeah. do some tricky things to make to that make work. Yeah. yeah. But I, the reason I'm bringing this, the reason I'm telling the big long story is whatever little problems they have right now with the release of the 64-bit code, they'll fix. Because from 1.0 to 1.2, the game actually became fun. And then from 1.2 to 1.3, it became addictive. So I really do think that whatever problems people might be having with the 2.0 versions of Horizons, by 2.3, it's going to blow people's minds. So uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what, what Frontier does with uh, you know the first half of the year and plans more elite. So as somebody who's only been in since the Wings update, I don't know if this is just my perception of it, but did they really need to go to the 64-bit version? Because to me, the game was, you know, absolutely fine, absolutely playable. It was really smooth. Um, when you went into an asteroid field, you know, it was large and expansive and there was a good number of objects on there. Was there a requirement to go to 64-bit that I'm just maybe not seeing because I've yet to actually purchase Horizons? Is, was there actually a need to go to 64-bit or are they just doing it because it's like the latest hotness? No, it, there is a need because it's the computation of this, of space. Uh, it's the floating point calculations that it that 64-bit addresses in the memory space to really put that space on the map. I think a lot of to do with the planetary landings because you can, it's not very effective, but my understanding is you can bombard the surface from a spacecraft. Yes. Yeah, so, it is totally seamless from yeah. uh, space so, to planet side. Yeah, so in order for it to, in order to find out if your laser beam that you're shooting down from near orbital altitude actually hits a ground target, you know, a little buggy driving around the surface, you got to have a degree of precision that will not fit on an 8-kilometer square box. Right now, you can launch the 32-bit version of the game still and still connect to the servers, but there will be no planetary interaction whatsoever, and you are not in the same sort of rendered universe as people playing Horizons. All right, let's talk about some of the other features that are going to be upcoming in 2016 then. So they've announced that multi-crew is going to be a thing. Um, yeah, uh, I was going to say, that was the one thing on this whole list that really caught my attention, and it has made, for me, Horizons A must-have purchase, even if I can't do it right now, knowing that it's going to be coming. It's definitely piqued my interest in this. Mm. I know, obviously, with Star Citizen, you're a fan of the Constellation for its multi-crewed, multi-rolled abilities. What is your take on multi-crewing in Elite? Well, the Cobra Mark III and IV, it's a two-pilot seat, so if you look over, you're going to see an empty seat next to you. And then in some of the larger craft, I'm, I'm not sure exactly which ones, but I know that some of them also have two seats. And, Clipper. And, uh, Clipper has two seats, you're right. I really don't know, to be honest. I, I can see what I hope for is, for example, planet landings. Instead of actually landing on the ground, you could launch your SRV from a high orbit, and that means your co-pilot could be going into the SRV and launching from there and parachuting down or whatever it takes, gathering his resources or whatever, and then you swooping in and picking him up again. I don't know. I, I really don't know what their plans are for multi-crew. What I'm worried about is I'm trying to be too much like Star Citizen and not like Elite, if that makes yeah, any that, sense. That's, 
Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. I think that's kind of a concern of mine, too, is that Elite's always been a single pilot, single player sort of experience, and their cockpit is designed from the ground up to be a single player system. You know, they've got everything is more or less at your fingertips that you need to fly your ship and fight it. To tweak it, they've got the two side menus. It doesn't lend itself to splitting up, let's put it that way, because it's all so snug and unified all around the single pilot concept. I'm, I'm really, really curious to see how they decide to split those duties in a way that doesn't completely eviscerate that, that single-player elite pilot experience that they've worked really hard, I think, to really come up with a, a, a fun system that works for both a controller, like an Xbox controller, and on a keyboard and mouse, uh, or, or HOTUS setup. So I'm just kind of curious to see how they pull that out. These are all very, very valid points. I'm wondering though, I know at the moment you've got the second seat is like, it's empty and it's in the same cabin as a pilot. Could it be though that it's going to be more of a radar operator or a turret operator rather than necessarily a second pilot? Yeah, but all those things are at your fingertips as the pilot already. It's already, I already have what I think is sufficient levels of control of that stuff. Right, but obviously with it being able to split out, you'll be able to have one person concentrating and dedicated to one task and one dedicated to another. So whilst at the moment, yes, you can shoot and fly, if you can separate those roles out, you'll be able to be a lot more manoeuvrable and hopefully a lot more accurate at the same time. Well, I I think that they're going to have to design some new ships. I don't think the current cadre of ships that they have are really going to be designed for multi-crew. I think they're going to have to come up with some new ones. You know, if you're in a freighter and you're hauling and and you, you know, want to mount turrets in there and have some turret control, I can see that happening. But as Tony said, in the current setup, I really don't need a second person in my ship. I'm hoping that they've got enough ideas and it's organic enough that it doesn't feel bolted on. That's my main concern. I, I, I just feel like they've gone, they've done a very good job at making the single player experience, I think, useful once you get over the learning curve. It's, it's tough to learn, but once you get it, it's, it, you get it. But I just hope that they don't just bolt something onto it it's just so they can say, hey, you can be a turret guy. I don't think there's too much danger of that, especially given how they've handled the introduction of planetary landings in Horizons. You know, admittedly, I've not bought it like I was saying earlier, but I've I've been consuming as much uh, YouTube videos and the like on it as I can, and it does feel like a part of the universe. It doesn't feel like something oh, that's I've been done bolted on. Yeah, I've landed on a ship. I've I've taken my SRV out and uh, went uh, rock hunting, and and it's great. Uh, I yeah. that's why I, I keep playing it now. But it's more importantly it feels like it's always been there which is the thing right you know it doesn't feel like a system that has been like added on so it's not like you fly up to a planet and then there's a loading screen and then all of a sudden you're i don't know in fps mode or something like you know it's it's not that much of a jarring transit in fact there is no jarring transition because it's seamless and it just feels like it's an extended part of the universe that has always been there i suspect that they'll do similar with multi-crew even if we can't necessarily see exactly how they're going to do that uh, given how they've handled adding on one system you know my fears are a lot more allayed now that they've done that because i think that they'll just be able to expand it in a very natural and sensible way 
I think it's worth the upgrade. I don't know what you two gentlemen are waiting on, whether it's, you know, monetary or what, but it is worth the upgrade. <laughs> I don't want to drive. I want to fly a spaceship. I don't want to drive on the ground. Oh, it's Ugh. fun, though. You get in this thing, and you're on low-gravity systems. You're jumping over crevices, and, I mean, we could all have races on the ground. I mean, it's like, it's the coolest thing ever. Uh, it's just like Jeff, driving there are pirates like... to kill. There are many, many pirates to kill. They need killing. There's also pirates to kill on the ground, too. Missions, there's low security, there's data gathering, there's all kinds of stuff you can do. And what I think that we've done, though, is we've discovered a very clear line in, in the guard frequency hosting here. Because me and you, Jeff, you know, we want to explore the planets, we want to go down planets, I want to be involved in the action. Tony wants to fly the ship, you know. Me and you, we're like Commander Riker. We've got to be down there, we've got to get it done. Tony, Sulu. that's very good i I like that we got to use that oh Uh, my (laughs) (laughs) i'll take off my shirt and pull out my sword we'll we'll go to town okay moving on well luckily tony uh the next game that we're going to talk about doesn't involve any groundwork at all all you get to do is fly which is great so descent underground the six degrees of freedom space shooter in an asteroid brought to us by descendant studios recently saw some major patches being pushed coinciding nicely with its steam early access sale now unfortunately by the time this episode is released the sale will have ended however you can still get in on the pre-alpha build known as the proving grounds for as little as about 30 bucks on the website the The patch notes for build 1500 include the usual sort of fixes and balance changes to the game, but does feature one or two nice shiny new things. So firstly, text chat has been added to the drone bay, the match lobby and the in-match UI. This will let you arrange matches with other players a lot easier, and it will also, more importantly, let you gloat when you've blown them off the map for the seventh time in as many minutes. They've also added a three-second invincibility shield when you respawn to cut down on the amount of spawn camping taking place, and they've added one major feature that should make you budding game devs really happy. Mods and map making. You can now download Descendant Studios' own white box map kit from their website and then fire up the Unreal 4 engine, import the white box maps and start creating your own. And once they're complete, you can upload your level designs to the Descendant Studios forums for the team to take a look at and, who knows, you might just find your creation in the finished game. Somebody was complaining, uh, uh, who shall be nameless, that it wasn't their idea of Descent. Now, I don't know what they remembered of Descent, but I ran Descent uh, 2 and 3. I couldn't get 1 to work on my computer, but I did get 2 and 3 to work, and it is Descent. Let me tell you that... Who said uh, it wasn't their idea of Descent? Shiv. Shiv. Oh, bad Shiv. (laughs) (laughs) Bad, bad Shiv. Was he even alive when that came out? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah, but uh, it, it's fun. It's it, it's a blast. Even multiplayer, it felt a little Windows ninety five ish, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think they've got a great start going on. I think they're going to do very well, and this is a love title, and I'm glad that it's being put together. And I had a blast. I think this game's going to be hot, and I'll tell you why. Because my thirteen year old son, like, was. Doing wasting an afternoon as he often does, browsing the Steam early access thing, and said, "Oh, this game looks cool. Oh, it's to say, oh, Dad, weren't you talking about this? Hey, didn't you buy the alpha? Oh, can I play it? Here, it's not updated. What's your password? Oh, oh, and then he was quiet for thirty minutes while he played <laughs> the, the game with my headset. I didn't hear a word, a peep out of him." Except for the occasional grunt or the ah or you know whatever. Yeah. And then he then he turned it off and said, "The graphics look kind of old, but that was a lot of fun." Yeah. So it occupied the attention 
of a 13-year-old for 30 minutes. And I think if you can do that... That's a testament. I mean, I mean that's a testament right there. And it's still, it's still in the pre-alpha stage. So They definitely need some larger maps. This map that we played on yeah. was kind of small for the number of people that were in it. I mean, death was raining down. I mean, there were, you could barely spawn in and you were dead or you killed somebody else or, you know, it was it, it was fast and furious is what it was. But it was fun. Definitely. Yeah. That's why it's, it's genius of them to open up the map making thing for, for two reasons. Number one, the crowd is going to fix their map problem. And that's number one part of genius. But number two is that it's going to let the people be involved with the thinking behind the game. And that's just going to make more enthusiastic, more passionate game players. If people are into how the game actually gets put together on a very nuts and bolts level. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and effectively, Descendant Studios has now gone and hired several professional quality level designers for nothing. You know, that's never a bad thing to do. Well, Uh, and I think politically, I think this was a good thing too, because Descent had one of the, had had still a pretty active modding community. Oh, yeah. uh, Descent uh, Free Space, I mean, modding, oh, yeah. Oh, the Diaspora mod for Free Space was. I mean, I still consider that one of the best space sims of all yes. time. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, but involving that community this early in the process is nothing but a win. It's one of those passion titles. There's never a lot of money in it for the long, you know, dark desert days from 1990-whatever to now. But, you know, that's what keeps your franchise value over the long term. And it's good to treat them well. Like saying, come in and invite, play in our sandbox. Come and play with us. We want you to, to be here with us. Unlike a certain other IP, which recently sued one of its fan film producers because he raised much money on Kickstarter. So I want to compare and contrast the way to treat your IP lovers one versus the other. Yeah, going back to your point about occupying the 13-year-old for 30 minutes and this thing of the graphics looking a little old, but the gameplay still being fun, I think that Descent, one of the appeals that it's always had, and this was way more popular in the early 90s, which you just really don't see too much of this particular genre these days, is the arena-based shooter. Your Quakes, your original Unreal, you know, the type of game where you get 16 people locked in a room and it is just a fight to the death with all sorts of bizarre weaponry. You do get arena-based shooters now in the form of things like uh, Counter-Strike or, you know, even the Call of Duty multiplayers. Battlefield to some extent, but they're they're not that same type of over-the-top hyperactive arena-based shooters of the original 90s, which Descent was basically that combined with a bit of space uh, to give you the six degrees of freedom. It made me nostalgic for two games that I dearly missed. The same era, the arena-based shooters, and they were fast and furious. It was One was uh, Forsaken, and if our listeners out there remember Forsaken, it was an awesome game. And the other one was Tachyon the Fringe. I love that game in Nova World and the whole... If somebody would pick those up and start developing, oh, man, I would just be in heaven again. Yeah, well, again, see, and if, if Descendant Studios does a good job with Descent, it would not surprise me to see other projects like that come up. And especially if, if you do have... I don't know if anybody's still there modding Tacky on the Fringe. It'd be nice if they were. I don't know. I haven't checked recently. But, you know, that's the sort of vein you can tap into if, if those people are still out there. And get them excited about it. Make them your disciples, your your prophets, your evangelists. You know, get them out there and, and, and stir up the crowd. And maybe you'll find a 13-year-old with too much time on his hands to waste 30 minutes in your game. 
or a 32-year-old with too much time on his hands who right. wants to waste 30 minutes in your game. But that's that's actually one of the things that I really like about Descent is it's not a game where, you know, Star Citizen yeah. elite, those types, you've got to, you've, you're thinking about them even when you're not playing because you're trying to plan your economy, your trade routes, you know, right. oh, mm-hmm. what if I swap out this weapon? Descent, you just load it up, you jump into it, you blow the living bejesus out of people for half an hour and you're See, great. Jeff, bejesus. Yeah, I Never stole that from you earlier. Did you see I, what he did there? That's what yeah. he did. That's what yeah. he did. It's yeah. what we call crowbarring in a touchstone. So, yeah, I just thought I'd do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's good radio, friends. It's That's fantastic, isn't it? Radio. You know, literally years of broadcasting to recycle the term bejesus. <laughs> yeah. um, literally years. Yeah, we're going on your Yeah, yeah, now. I know. This is, this is crazy. But, yeah... Uh, Again, so it's just that type of game where you can just jump in, just like no-brainer, switch off, relax, kick back type fun. Yes, it's still got some simulation aspects, obviously, in terms of how the craft handles, but it's not a uh, it's not a life simulation game like the others are trying to be. It's like you know, right. this is just more of an action adventure, real mindless, jump in, do your thing. That's it. And I really like that about it. And now it's time for news we didn't use. No Man's Sky release date has been pushed back until June 2016. A copy of E Valkyrie will come with every pre-order of an Oculus Rift. And Rebel Galaxy is coming into consoles very, very soon. PS4 in the USA on January 5th, Xbox One January 13th, and PS4 in Europe January 19th. And this week's community question, 2016 looks to be the year of the space sim. So which space sim are you most looking forward to? Let us know your thoughts. Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. And now that we're all caught up with the latest news, it's time to tune into the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're all friendlies! So let's just be friendly! Some say he's a child of the Force, and that he keeps his exhaust port well protected. But all we know is he's called the Shiv, and he helped put together this week's feedback. Well, we didn't have a community question. God only knows how long since we've done one, because episode 99 was sort of... Um, well, it actually was a calling show. We had lots of community feedback, or well, at least one community feedback there. And then episode 100 was, shall we say, the most controversial episode of Guard Frequency ever released. Polarizing might even be another word used to describe episode 100. It was an avant-garde artistic tour de force by Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster and Ben First First Problem Sanders. Easily the most divisive piece of broadcast done by our intrepid little company. Those of you that loved it, really loved it. Those of you who hated it were vocal in your feedback about it. And rest assured, we did read all the feedback, both good and bad, and we've taken it all on board. I also wish to state unequivocally, and for the record, that both Shiv and First First Problems are still employed by Guard Frequency. So, not a firing offense, what they did, by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, we'll just leave it there. Phoenix Roleplaying wrote in to say, With Star Citizen Alpha 2.0 fully live, I've managed to have a decent go at it and would like to share some thoughts on this first big step into the Persistent Universe. The bugs are still pretty prevalent, especially in Arc Corp, but the build has gotten a lot more stable. Just prepare yourself for a random crash to desktop when you start. Hopefully these should be ironed out soon. 
The FPS element is of limited use at the moment. Picking up an assault rifle is all well and good, but if there's no one to shoot, it ain't no fun. Perhaps having rifles to hand in Port Olisar, maybe? Mm. I'm looking forward to seeing more of Port Olisar. A space hotel should have a decent restaurant, that's for sure. Quantum Drive is great fun. A lot better than the one in a certain other space sim. EVA is fun, but very hard to master. The number of times I've shot past my intended target, well... You now have somewhere to do your search and rescue. We just need a way to have distress beacons on our person. And the Connie looks wonderful inside, as does the Cutlass Black. Finally, my port side thruster won't stop firing. Any advice? Yes, don't pull it out in the first place. <laughs> yes, you can get into some Wise. But yeah, I, I agree with a lot of his points there. The FPS element, whilst it's fun to play if you do have other people around, if you are the only person there, yeah, it's it's a kind of big empty space in the moment. I don't know. EVA wasn't so hard for me. I, I was kind of intuitive. I enjoy EVA and, and found it, you know, quite, I don't want to say simple, but I don't want to put anybody down for finding it difficult, but I didn't have any issues with it. I think you actually hit the perfect word on your first try, intuitive. For some people that design that interface, that design that system, it just makes sense to the people that designed it. And apparently you're in their heads, Jeff. Apparently you, you get that. But for other people, it, it may, you know, they're, they're, the design of the controls may just not click with them. Well, I, I did have some thoughts on the search and rescue. Now, there is uh, got to be some way of finding people, of some way of, you know, just going out there blankly and looking in the vastness of space it's quite difficult, you know. Yeah, uh, I've heard that space is big, like really big. It, yeah, it's really big. You know, I I was around the station just seeing if I could watch people EVA from their ships to the station, and and couldn't target them. And and really, I mean, if I'm gonna rescue somebody, I got to be able to find them. This is gonna sound like a stupid idea, but I'm a 100% serious when I say this. What you need as part of your spacesuit, as you know, as part of your flight suit, is a huge frickin' giant mirror. You know, like an expandable aluminum No, you do the same thing you do for life vests in the ocean. You put strobes on them. And electronic strobes too that get you know sends out a ping, a rescue ping. You know, something that you can turn on and off. Obviously if you're not there to be rescued, then you don't want to be found, but Right. What do those take, Jeff? Transponders, pings, what do those take? Well, yeah, power. So if you're if you're out there and you don't know how long you've got, you need you want to conserve every erg of energy you've got. Well, but they can be self-contained power too. I mean, you know, the 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 strobe on my life vest has got its own battery. Right, with the with a finite service time. You unfold a big freaking mirror, somebody comes along with a big spotlight or the radar equivalent thereof and waves it around. Tony, 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 this is not the 19th century. That's, that's you thought you thought it was a, this was a, this, I'm a, this is a serious suggestion. I want everybody to think about this. Go to your rooms, go to your rooms and think about this, all you audience people. And you and you think if you were stranded in space, you didn't know when rescue was coming. Do you want Jeff's strobe light with a battery, or do you want my huge freaking expandable mirror? That's the community. I question. I don't. That's the <laughs> no. That's not the real question. A, a huge yeah, expandable mirror. Yeah, that's gonna work. And and how are you gonna deploy that with your suit power? You unfold it like an emergency tent. With a spring, like Sulu's sword in Star Trek, the new Star Trek movie. It goes bing and it goes poof. Like uh, let spring. me look for that command. Okay, uh, user set uh, mirror unfold. Oh yes, that'll work. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> I think the uh, one of the main issues with that one though is that that would require the light to be reflected in a particular way. As, as yeah, you know, if you're on the dark side of a planet, or you know, you have and there's no light source. Yeah, but equally, the search and rescue ship brings the light, and whether it's actual light or if it's a radio beacon that bounces. Yeah, and you know where they're at? You know where to point that light? That's, that's exactly the thing. If they're not approaching the mirror's reflective point, if they're coming at you from any other angle and there is no up in space, you know, they could approach you from behind, your mirror could be pointed away, never see them. But that, and that's when you have, that's when you have certain uh, training, right? It's like you put the mirror pointed away from the nearest planetary object or away from galactic north or, you know, you always point the mirror to galactic north or something. You still have a limited range of uh, maybe 15, 20 degrees where you, your light from your ship is going to be able to, to reflect off that. But it, we're talking about a one in a million chance of being rescued anyway. And a strobe light, you know, that, that has a limited... It doesn't uh, have to uh, be a light. It could also. be an electronic ping. It could be, you know, a rescue beacon. Sure. Uh, you sure. know, your, your, your comms picks it up. Again, we'll, we'll, this isn't going to be settled. We'll just, we'll just, we'll just let, it, <laughs> we'll let it go out there. But Tarka says, he loved the phone-in discussion of episode 99 about hauling and shunting. Hope CIG were listening. Would love to hear more Star Citizen-related phone-ins in the future. We're going to do phone-ins. Oh, yes, we are. And we're going to expand it to the whole world of space sims. So keep listening, Tarka. And Sean Newboy says, wonderful show, everyone. Thanks for all the hard work. And our new Patreons this week is Kin Shadow. Kin Shadow. Kin Shadow. Kin Shadow. And 8-Bit Fungus. And the winners of a brand new patch are Robert Clausen. All patches should be in the mail, and January will start with a better, more frequent mailing of patches. The Shiv promises. Okay, Shiv. If you don't receive something you're due soon, please let us know. And this week's community question. 2016 looks to be the year of the space sim. So which space sim are you most looking forward to? Send an email to squawk at cardfrequency.com or post on our show thread over on our website, cardfrequency.com. So how was the show? Did we peek over the new horizons, or was it more a descent into madness? Either way, let us know. Here are some ways you get in touch with us. Why not leave a comment on this show's post over at GuardFrequency.com? Or hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak, or leave a comment and like us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash GuardFreak. If you're old school like us, you can always shoot us an email to squawk at GuardFrequency.com. You can always use the contact form on our website, and all the details for all the ways to get in touch with us can be found in the show notes. Your feedback's an important part of what we do, so take a minute. Tell us what's on your mind. And that brings us to the end of episode 101 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 102 on January 12th, so be sure to keep an eye out for our shows on our website, guardfrequency.com. But that's not all. You can also subscribe to our shows at feeds.guardfrequency.com or by searching for us on iTunes. And if you're not doing anything Friday nights, then you can always join us live over at guardfrequency.com live. We start recording around 11 p.m. Central. That's Saturdays, 5 a.m. GMT. Do you like what we do? Want to help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? Drop us an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. And you can also support the show by visiting our website, guardfrequency.com, clicking on the Patreon logo and becoming a regular subscriber. For just $1.25, you can get access to the raw recordings of our live shows, as well as being entered in our weekly draw to win some Guard Frequency goodies. We want to thank all of our Patreons who supported us with their subscriptions week on week and hope that you will consider making a regular contribution because the more support we get, the better show we can make. 
Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? We're active in most space sims and would love to have you join us. Check out our website and look under the Call Sign section for details of how you can fly with us. And don't forget about our sister production, Priority One. They cover all things Star Trek, from the TV series to the MMO, the novels, the movies, and everything in between. Be sure to track them out over at PriorityOnePodcast.com. We'd like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivalry B. and Lowmaster, our artists, Ben Sanders and Simon Trollton Edwards, our staff writer, Jeff Grant, and our audio engineer, Michael Duncan. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Base, and special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit RonaldJenkins.com for more of his work, and we want to thank him especially for composing a little intro theme tune, especially for episode 100 of Guard Frequency. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. Squawk 7700. Stay on the guard. I think that was just lovely uh, for an intro to episode 101, and uh, I wouldn't have, wouldn't have done it any other way. Good job, guys. Have another tiny elephant. Don't give out all of our little elephants. Well, sorry, it's that's another acronym for hate. That's all I could think of. <laughs> it's not very good. No, well, it got me though. It confused me. Here's another Tony episode. Perfect. I was in with Wingman yesterday, actually, most of the afternoon, uh, messing around. Oh, sorry, Jeff. Um, I think you just, uh, you let me just pick this up. Oh, yeah, look, you dropped a name there. Uh, here you go. You can. Uh... <laughs> me and Wingman were chilling, you know, in my <laughs> hot tub in my Phoenix. Oh, wait, Wingman I'm not chill. No, never mind. Come well, on. Rebel Galaxy. Hmm. Hmm. Now, here's the thing about Rebel Galaxy. I loved X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. Loved it. I loved X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. I loved X-Wing and Alliance. I did too. I did too. I, I'm a big fan of X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. Now, I uh, I purchased and instantly regretted the Nintendo 64 uh, Star Wars game that I've forgotten the title of because it was so terrible. Rogue Squadron, maybe? Hang on, hang on, hang on. I mean, somebody make good radio. I'm just walking over to my shelf. I'll find it in about two seconds. Rogue leader. Rogue leader. Purchased That's... it. Instantly regretted it. It was a yeah. terrible, terrible game. So I and then I look at Star Wars Battlefront and what they do, and I'm like, oh, if you're making a Star Wars game for a console, you're thinking Rogue Leader. Right. And I do not like that thinking. I'm not, yeah. I'm not a fan of this right here. Oh, wait, it's not even a Star Wars thing. No, it's really not. I don't know where you... I was wondering where you were going with that. Rebel Galaxy is in no way a Star Wars Well, thing. you have to stop us then, Lennon, because I thought yeah. it was a Star Wars program. Yeah, cut that whole bit out. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to, but you... I don't know, you just went Rebel Galaxy, hmm. I'll tell you what, way back in the mist of time, when I was a boy and I tied an onion to my belt, because that was the fashion at the time, I was like, well, I have no idea where he's going with this, but I'm going to let it run. Shut up. Right. We... we ex- we we expect you to protect us from ourselves. Yeah. You're the only person with a working memory. 
Well, I, I, I am staring I 40 right in the face. <laughs> Jeff wishes he was still 40. Because that was back in the in the eighth century, back when living was good. <laughs> uh, back when a man could beep, die beep. of dysentery and there wasn't a video game about it. Okay. Right. Um, back I'll, to the I'll show. You, I'll tell you what. No, that's right. The closing two. And this last bit in three, two. So which space sim are you no. most looking Tony, forward to? Tony, Tony. What? That what? was all changed, and you went and deleted it. It was? It was. Oh. Should we go back and reread the community question on the other one? No, it's fine. Don't pull it out in the first place. <laughs>